SEO this week, episode number 47. Hey everyone, Clint here, and I'd like to welcome you. 47. We're a day late today or this week. Got really busy, but that doesn't mean the, the content we're going to go over is not too bad. So, first off, we're going to look at one of my SEO mentors. He wrote a great post, um, Jerry West, on uh, some things that affiliate. A particular affiliate marketer is doing to his competition and something you might want to be aware of and protect yourself against some data visualization stuff. Uh, if you ever get the urge to go into business intelligence, God, I don't know why you'd want to because it's so complicated. <laughs> uh, and so client reporting uh, from an SEO or a local SEO perspective. All this and more on episode 47 of SEO This Week. All right, so here we go. Without further ado, I'm going to start off with Jerry West Post. It's jerrywest.com, and the title is What an Unethical Hacker with No Remorse Taught Me About Building Trust in the SEO Market. That's pretty interesting. He goes into the story how he met the guy, where he's been trying to get a hold of him, and then basically what they're doing. So uh, the short version is they set up some dummy com SEO companies claiming to be SEOs, and they went around to their, to their competition, i.e., they found they were affiliating. They were an affiliate of a product. They found the competition that was competing with them in the search engines, and they claimed to be a SEO agency. And then they got access to the sites because the competitors hired them to do SEO. Uh, and then what they did after that is, um, they uploaded a footprint that. Google was had already identified as belonging to bad sites. Uh, so they essentially said, hey, look, Google, these sites are uh, the bad sites that are part of this network that you uh, are against. And in, in turn, Google de-indexed and then banned their entire domains. Uh, and then they just left. They disappeared. This is, I think, I don't want to, you know, target specific individuals, but frankly, this is a kind of, the dark side of the SEO industry. I think with any industry, uh, whether it be real estate, SEO, uh, auto sales, whatever you want, any industry that there's a high demand for and a high or you know a high level of competition, uh, simply because there's a high return on investment from the process of SEO and from selling and doing SEO for other people. Uh, it tends to, pardon the language, but it tends to collect assholes. Uh, and this is just a kind of an example of what you could be up against um, from a, a business owner's perspective. And this doesn't mean all SEOs are bad. Obviously, that's just, it's not the case. And a lot of the people that are trying to do SEO are doing the same thing as you are trying to run a business they find a business model that works for them that they enjoy uh, just like you did with your business and so you just have to be careful with some bad characters that are going along here uh, basically what you should do is kind of you know, have control the, the the message here is make sure you have control of who you're giving access to your sites and your your hosts and all that stuff uh, and then, and then monitor what they're doing in a much more 
a much better way. Could those competitors, the targets of this, have known what they were going to do? I, I highly doubt it. Um, could they have figured out the flag? Maybe if they were into it, if they knew what was going on and they knew that this footprint caused uh, the drop in rankings, then sure they could have gone into and, and identified and found that flag. But I think uh, this is something that Google needs to to look at too is um, how do they how do they prevent that kind of negative SEO which is really what it is how do they really prevent it and help and keep it from um, prevailing in the industry billions and billions of websites I'm honestly the and billions of billions of dollars in search engine advertising Google's not really set out and defined to care about you and your business on it it's just no no way around it no matter how much they they talk to you like they care about you and they want you to succeed really they don't they want you to spend money and they want you to use a search engine so they can earn more money uh, so s negative seo and this kind of stuff kind of goes along with that too so you just got to be careful uh, as you get through here, after that kind of horrifying story, you can learn a little bit about uh, pay-per-click and how you should be doing both, not just relying solely on SEO anymore. Uh, not because SEO is harder, it's just that for right now, Google has placed a significant amount of the landscape on page one into uh, paid ads. What I think is going to happen here is the users are going to get uh, pissed and they're going to start going to page two. If you remember that uh, click-through rate study uh, done by the internet marketing guys, uh, I think it was last week we went over that, maybe the week before, but basically you see the increase in traffic that the page two people were getting. Remember, it used to be uh, if you're where do you place, uh, where's the best place to hide a dead body is page two of Google. Well, I think that's changing. Uh, and I think it's changing because Google is putting too many ads in front of um, the local market. So if I search for plumbers in Dallas, I want to find plumbers in Dallas. I don't want to have to go through Angie's List, Home Advisor, Yelp, and all those other directories in order to do that. I want a plumber in Dallas who's near me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to page two and look for that. Uh, maps is there but they're changing that up too so that you have to essentially pay to play with that google home services thing going on and those are really going to affect home uh, those air service area businesses are really going to see uh, the crunch in that they're going to have to pay to play to rank service area businesses and frankly that's coming from uh, some people who are, you know, it's a very competitive market. Those guys make a lot of money. Their return on investment is significant, but they are also um, based on volume. So it's really competitive for the SEO space because the calls come in, they get the thing, do the job, make the profit, go to the next one, come in, do the thing, rinse and repeat, right? And those kind of businesses are really... Uh, hit up with spams google's answer for it is well if you're running a service area business we don't care if you're legit or not you're going to have to go through us uh, we're going to set up these home uh, style ads for you and we're going to do what uh, uh, home advisor angie's list and all those other ones are and we're going to quote unquote vet you before uh, we allow you to pay us to show your business um, so that's where pay-per-click comes in 
you need to be able to take advantage of that. You need to do it at the lowest amount cost possible for your clients. Uh, so it's time to start learning uh, PPC. Also, you're going to use PPC to do keyword research. We talked about that ad nauseum before. I'm not going to go over that too much anymore uh, in here. And you can track conversions and some other stuff. So it's a really good post. It's kind of long. Uh, it's probably the longest one of this week. However, ultimately, it's the best one. That's why it's first. Next, to go to Moz or Whiteboard Friday from Rand is the perfect blog post length and publishing frequency is bullshit. According to Rand. Um, some things I want to point out here. He doesn't, he's not talking about a, he's not arguing that longer content or, you know, longer content does rank higher. What he's arguing is, uh, and something that we argue constantly is just because you get a study, let's say you get a study of 50,000 keywords and you see all of these keywords are correlating based off of the these 50,000 individual keywords you see like content length is is important for the first second third positions but you could get some outliers in there and what you really should be doing is looking at content length as one of the correlating factors for uh, search ranking not the factor uh, and a lot of the studies are, that are being put out right now are saying that content length is the primary factor uh, when we know and we use a lot of our tools and we do some ana analysis and we actually use our experience and apply that, it may not always be the case. You can rank a page with uh, 500 words just as much as you can with uh, 50,000 words as long as you're answering the value of the search result. So if your question in the search result that's being that your site is attempting to answer uh, it can be done in 500 words, write a 500-word blog post. And if it can be done in 5,000, it has to be done in five to 10,000, then go ahead and go that route to you. Um, the, I think the message here with Fran and his, his argument against these uh, bulk studies is it's not uh, as simple as saying, if you apply this, you're going to get this result. Uh, so it may not necessarily correlate correlate with your specific keyword. You're going to have to go into your specific keyword and look at the data and see what's correlating among those sites to help you uh, to make your changes and get a causation of these changes. I made these changes and it caused my result to go up. That's how the correlation causation battle kind of goes along in the SEO community. Uh, the next one is uh, public blog post traffic by public uh, publishing frequency, i.e. the more you publish, the more traffic you're going to get. Well, I think it could apply uh, if you're already a big site and you're putting out a whole, you know, if you're the Wall Street Journal, for instance, you put out 10, 15 articles a day. Uh, you're going to get a lot of exposure that way and get more traffic. But a brand new blog is probably not going to see that Um in the way that you kind of expect. Uh, I think uh, I did it for a year and a half on my original websites, my first ever website, and I published every day for a year, and my traffic volume never really increased. And it wasn't because I was writing for bad keywords. I was actually ranking everywhere, but the those terms just didn't bring the volume of traffic, one that I wanted, and two, one that I needed. Uh, what I say need is, you know, if I write one article now a month, 
but it's targeting buyers or it's targeting people who are looking for one of our services. That's better than writing one article a day. Uh, the downside is that you kind of run out of practice, so you, you have to remember how to write. Uh, you have to flow better, and your writing can actually take longer if you're not doing practice, if you're not practicing. So, here's a suggestion for you, and it's the same suggestion that Rand did. When you're first starting off, write something every day. You don't even have to post it on your blog if you don't want to. Just write something. Uh, and then make a frequency for you on your site that you're going to be able to keep up with. SEO this week comes out once a week because it's easy to manage. We can do it once a week. We can accomplish it. Um, where if I was publishing every day, one, I'm probably not going to say a whole lot of good stuff. I might give you a tidbit or two that is cool. But really, it's not going to be something that's going to interest you. And frankly, it's not going to interest me. So, but... In that case, though, you still want to write every day. Get something like Scrivener. That's a great piece of software, and you can manage your blog posts, and you can just write. And if you spit out 1,500 words and you look at it at the end of the day and it's crap, well, you just delete it. You you haven't published it. It's not gone on your site and made, uh, you know, fill it up with junk. Uh, But you wrote, and you're getting better, and you're getting better, and you're getting better in that. And then make your publishing frequency what you want it to be, and then just stick with it. So once a week, SEO this week comes out. If we feel like it, we want to do more, we can add another article in there. It's okay. Google's not going to get mad at us, and our readers are not are going to be, you know, surprised by the added content versus disappointed because we started cutting down on stuff too. So uh, that's a good it's a good video. I think it kind of gets your brain going around the process of it. And just a way to look at correlation and causation studies uh, and tools. Next one is Joy Hawkins. It is on the Moz site as well. It's five tips to help show ROI from local SEO. I think if you are in SEO, if you're an agency and you're trying to teach or show a company the return on investment, it gets pretty hard because it's not a tangible thing. If I send out a... uh, But it is more tangible than a TV event, for for instance. Here's like here's an example. You're a plumber, and you submit and have a TV interview. And every once in a while, the customers you get, the phone rings, and the customers you get, you know, and one or two say, hey, I saw your TV ad, or you use the coupon in the TV ad so that they can kind of take advantage of that, and you kind of track, track your stuff that way. Same with radio, you track your stuff that way. Advertising, you do it the same way too. Uh, in, in print media, you have a coupon code, and everyone who uses that coupon code, you can attribute to that specific ad. SEO is better because you have analytics, and you can contribute everything to what your SEO is doing. Now, if you got a good SEO, that's going to re- it's going to result in not only search engine traffic is going to result in uh, social media traffic. You can, you can. Put all of that together, social media, pay-per-click, SEO, all that organic, and see your complete return on investment, assuming a couple things. Uh, one, you know your numbers, your average lifetime value of your customer, and two, you are honest about your conversion rate. I've had clients that started with us, um, minimal amount of traffic, we get them traffic. What is your conversion rate? Our conversion rate is 60%. So... They're telling me that every person that calls them, they'll close 60% of them. And then when we do the numbers, we do the numbers like one of the ways that Joy talks here, which is uh, 
estimating revenue based off of their conversion rate and the average lifetime value of the customer. Uh, we do the numbers and like, well, we didn't get that. I said, well, then your conversion rate's not 60%. And then they, you know, you get one or two things. You're going to get the bullheaded customer or client who, yes, it is. We know it's good. You're not sending us good leads. Then, or you're going to get the other one that says, all right, so what do we do to fix it? The, the best way to do this, especially if you're tracking phone numbers, phone numbers equals uh, based, it helps you get your conversion rate, which is perfect for local, is to start recording uh, for these businesses. Make sure that they're aware that you are recording. They agree to you set this up, and then they, they can actually listen to it. We do this for our dentists. Uh, they their front staff knows that they know that they're being recorded. Uh, in the states that have to, we put a whisper in front of there. This call is being recorded so that both parties hear it when they pick it up. Uh, and then they go about their day and do their business, and then they can go back in and say, "All right, why didn't that turn into a customer? Why was that a bad customer service experience? Why was that a great customer service experience? How can we get better?" Those are the really the businesses that we like working with. Uh, versus the the guys that are well i know you this thing says that it sent me uh, 15 calls uh, but we didn't close get the numbers that you said we getting so we're not seeing the roi well if you're not seeing the roi based off of the numbers uh, that we're showing you real hard numbers and the numbers that you say is your closing ratio then your closing ratio is wrong uh, and that's a significant indicator it'll help you as a agency or a business owner uh, you know where to look so good article uh, there's some other things in there but i think that's probably the key takeaway for me uh, the there's some other reporting stuff in there it's you know it's really it's based off of what your client's level of understanding of analytics is uh, rank tracking how deep they want to get into it all that other stuff uh, you can go as simple as complex as you want, as the and as the client can understand, in my opinion. The next one is a search engine land. This one, the only reason I put this one in here because it was shockingly, like utterly shockingly surprising that people are uh, now just now considering this. It has to be at least a year. Ago, Google said, "Hey, we want everyone to be on HTTPS. We're going to reward you for it. Go to it." Uh, and then, not too long after, they said, "Hey, we're going to we're going to start showing that the sites are not secure, or we'll send a warning message." Uh, in the Chrome, in Chrome, Firefox followed right off along the bat. I think Safari is doing it too. I haven't used that in a while. Uh, but all of a sudden, because they put it in the webmasters messages. Now SEOs are, are considering it important. And personally, to me, I think that's that's garbage. If you have an SEO and they just now, within the last week, uh, addressed this with you because it showed up in your webmaster tools uh, and you had to either A, ask them about it or they couldn't hide it fast enough, uh, then you should probably be looking for another SEO, honestly, or another webmaster because this is basic stuff uh, that Google has been, you know, they've been telling us, they've given us the heads up. They made the changes in Chrome already. This is not something new. Put the stupid, put your site on HTTPS, especially if you're doing forms. If you're not collecting forms, uh, do you really, and you're only doing information stuff, does it, is it really matter? 
Probably not. Uh, will it be a ranking factor soon? Who knows? The the adoption of HTTPS by sites worldwide is somewhere around 17%, I think was the last numbers that I saw. Um, but if you're collecting forms, you're doing payment stuff, uh, you're collecting client information, you're collecting patient information, that kind of personal data, and you as a business owner have the responsibility to switch to HTTPS. It's free for crying out loud. Uh, there's no reason why it shouldn't be done, and your SEOs should know that. And if they're not, they haven't done that, and they haven't approached you with that, then it's time to find a new SEO agency. Uh, that's my opinion on that. And if you got an in-house SEO, then it's time to uh, get them tr trained up a little bit better and exposed to some of the... Uh, get them to listen to SEO this week. Make it mandatory or something uh, so they can get up-to-date on information that's being passed out. Uh, we'll go back to mods here real quick. Is the SEO above the funnel um, getting more traffic when you can't rank any higher? I want to add, maybe not, you know, I think it's SEO. It's an SEO site. That's why it's in the uh, SEO in the title. But frankly, this is something, it's all about uh, expanding your horizons, using different tools to market. Don't rely just on SEO. If you're in a small community and you've already ranked for number one for all of your stuff and you're just maintaining your SEO, that's what you're paying your SEO to do. Uh, and your your traffic is plan, plateaued, then it's time to look beyond that. Especially if you want to grow your business, so you want to obviously you can go into subset sub niches or uh, macro niches, based on you know what you're doing. Uh, you go into change making changes on your site and kind of get some new people that really increase it, um, and then stir up some social media awareness. Basically, is what it's talking about here really all this is this post is a lot of examples but i think it's really good just to hear that you can't solely rely on the search uh, engines for traffic you have to look at social media you have to look at sister sites you have to look at what other people are doing to gain attention gain exposure uh, to increase your website traffic and in a, i hate using the word but a holistic SEO approach, which involves multiple streams of traffic, uh, all converting. That way, if one drops, then you got the other ones to pick up the slack for you. Uh, next, we get into the SEM Rush. Their blog is 40 Technical SEO Mistakes. Uh, this is based off of, if you don't know SEM Rush, they also have an, a site audit tool. And basically, what they did is it kind of collected all that information in their audit and came up with said, ta da, these are the 40 things that you guys are doing technically uh, wrong above average. I think it's pretty good, kind of accurate. I will say that some of the tool uh, gives me errors that aren't, aren't errors. Like, I know I did that on purpose. It's not an error, and you can't shut it off. You can't tell the tool, hey, uh, ignore this. They're just It just calls you, it says you have an error, uh, which is, you know, it might not be the case because you intentionally did it. Uh, some things here, like external links with a no-follow attribute, is like they're calling that an error. Um, it says broken internal links to you, but the way this is reading is, is external links with a no-follow attribute is an error, and it's not. Uh, especially if you're, you know, if you're following standard pro, uh, guidelines. Let's say someone reaches out to you and says, "I want a link," then you make a no-follow. 
especially if you're paid for it. If it's not a sponsor link and you're linking to it, then leave it to follow. If you're, you know, if it's, if you want to, but typically most people know follow external links. That's not an error, and why the tool would be marking that as an error, such as you know, that's beyond me. Uh, temporary redirects that's standard industry practice again that's not an error either as long as it's temporary uh, but if you do it permanently and you're using the wrong 3.0 code uh, then you need to correct that so that's something to look at cool sitemaps uh, errors that's pretty interesting that I found especially the 20% of this, the users didn't have one at all uh, that needs to be taken care of really quick Basically, what that sitemap does is allows you to tell the robots exactly what you have so it doesn't have to hunt and peck. And maybe if it's hunting and pecking, it misses something. Uh, and a sitemap takes care of that. So you want that done. Uh, and then content, duplicate content is... Uh, for local, I will say that duplicate content is not that uh, big of a deal. It's kind of almost expected. If you're a plumber and you're servicing 10 cities, well, you're still a plumber... So obviously there's going to be some duplication between your, your city pages. Uh, so I think it needs to be a little bit care with that. But the meta descriptions, duplicate or missing, a lot of people are ignoring that for whatever reason. It's a perfect opportunity to increase your click-through rate uh, in the search results. And if you're ignoring that, then you're uh, making a big mistake. Uh, or if you're using duplicates. Duplicate will screw your conversions and your ranking up uh, bigger than anything because it's sending mixed signals to Google about which page is actually the priority. Which page is the money page? Uh, and your duplicate meta descriptions kind of start off with that and mess that up. Title tags too long, 61%. I can see that basically if you're letting... Uh, your site kind of optimize itself by creating its own title tags based off, based off of the H1s or the, if you're in a WordPress kind of situation where the post title uh, can be a little bit long, I can see where that 61% is coming in. But you have to remember that a lot of the search results are kind of changing and it used to be a set amount of characters, I think what was the number 60, uh, something like that. Uh, it, it used to be that, but now they're they kind of change it up a little bit where it's based off of pixels. So you just need to kind of be aware of how your target term is showing up, where Google is cutting that off. You can actually just, you know, take a pen and pointer and one, two, three, four, five, count the terms, count the, count the character limits, and then you'll know. Um, obviously, you can't count pixels unless you have a, some, a tool to do that, but um, you're going to get some too long title tags. Just put your primary keyword up front and your click to uh, your call to action uh, closer to that to that front too and then if it cuts off the brand name it's okay it's not going to kill you um, I don't really think it's an error uh, in my opinion unless it's like just egregiously long missing the h1 tag here's what I, I've seen lately is a lot of themes especially in the WordPress community are using the title tag and then the uh, the post title they're switching to h2. Uh, and then you miss the H1 tag altogether. H1 is title title tag, H1 tag, uh, and your content are probably the top three things that I would be looking for when you're done talking about on-page SEO. Uh, so if your your theme does not have an H1 tag and you don't know anything about coding, then you need to contact your developer and say, I would like you to switch the default page template from H2 to H1. And it's done for you. You're done. You don't have to worry about H1s anymore. You can just play with the H2s and H3s to divide your, your contact up. Uh, that's an easy fix. 
images, missing alt tag. As long as your post has one for your primary keyword, then if the rest are missing, it's not, not a big deal in my opinion. You are losing some opportunities though to hit some latent uh, semantic indexing with using related terms inside of your image alt tags. Uh, and if you're doing custom images, then you certainly want it to do that because you can actually rank those custom images for those terms as well and drive traffic to your post, uh, assuming that you have that redirect set up. And then page speed, that's kind of one of our uh, things. Is the it says page speed is slow 23.16. I think that the they are using the page speed insights from Google to get this up, which is notoriously full of crap. Uh, don't use that tool for anything unless you're just trying to find out if Google sees your page as mobile friendly. Other than that, leave it alone. Don't give it to clients. They fall in love with that grade and those percentages. Uh, and that pay that tool is just garbage. So use Pingna for real page load speed, uh, and you're gonna have to kind of compare the results that you get out of the SEM rush report in that case too. Uh, and then mobile, just saying it's not configured or uh, viewport not configured or it's missing the canonical tags. If you have AMP pages, we don't use AMP. Uh, we don't recommend it for local because they're not in the information marketing business, so they don't really have to, you know, they're not relying on AdSense or whatever. Uh, and basically, you're just kind of playing into the Google Google mode. You click on AMP, you look at your content, okay, thanks, and then you close it, and now you're right back into the, uh, the search results. They've shown your website inside of the search results on a mobile phone is essentially what they're doing, uh, and... They make it a little bit harder to add conversion elements and, and that kind of stuff uh, that mobile users like, like video. You, you know, all that stuff's harder to add uh, to AMP. As it grows up and develops, I think they'll add it, but then they kind of defeating the purpose of using it. So I think it's time, if you haven't done it already, to just grow up and make a or buy a responsive web design uh, that caters to both desktop and mobile and then you're good to go uh, and that in turn will help you with your page speed load time as well with some other stuff pretty good uh, infographic just some great information hopefully my insights helped you kind of get through that a little bit better and understand the things that i see that are important uh, especially as it applies to the scm rush audit tool I go to Search Engine Journal as the SEO primer to learning data science basics. I have a master's degree in business intelligence, and I can tell you that if you have no desire to learn business intelligence, uh, how to use R or Python for um, uh, for making graphs and reports and visualizations, then you can probably skip this. Uh, it does have you know just some interesting stuff. Maybe you have an SEO who's talking to you about this stuff. You can kind of educate yourself a little bit, just get the definitions so you understand the terminology. Um, but there's really not a lot of actionable things to do. You know, collect data using MySQL, Cloud SQL, uh, or, or um, other tools. You're not going to do that, really, as a, as a business owner. You're going to bring someone else aboard that can knock that out. Unless you're into the you know computer science and all that and know R or Studio, then, then go for it. But... Um, transferring the data where you're going to store it showcasing your data which is visualizations you know graphs charts all that stuff is visualizations that's how you 
showcase your data and then knowing how to manipulate it i think the best thing that you get out of this is if you just want to play with it just want to learn something a little bit so you understand a little bit you could just go down and learn about r uh, and he gives some tips on how to kind of bring your search console data into r and then and look at it and connect it and you could kind of set up some visualizations that way um, he doesn't go a lot into uh, once you have it there like what do you do with it after that uh, which can be a little bit uh, mind-numbing but again honestly they have google data studio now bing's got their power bi uh, tableau is pretty simple you have to pay for that though that's a little bit more expensive uh, and then the the data studio guys you know those, they're creating templates left and right to connect to all of this stuff already for you and you just have to learn how to you know drop drag and manipulate a little bit versus learning r which essentially you're learning a whole new set of uh skills just to uh just to bring the data in much less turning it into visual visualization so um if you're like me you have you're interested in this kind of stuff then again it's a good post but if you're not then just go ahead and you probably ignore it and we're going to roll it up with a much more actionable uh use of analytics and is especially in this post is written specifically for shopify it's the ultimate guide to google analytics for shopify uh, just because that's their target market and they do uh, a lot of e-com stuff it's called uh, acquireconvert.com uh, and basically what they do is how to connect analytics to your shopify store uh, some of the data that you need to read some insights and you know especially the e-com stuff is really valuable to you shopify guys and if you're you know any kind of e-com store uh, for that matter uh, how to find your conversion rates versus your sessions and all that stuff it's all in here and how to set it up uh, and then how to read it and then the most important part i think is the, the setup i think every one of us can probably use this uh, especially if you want to get some demographic information you should probably go through and learn how to use this and turn on the e-tracking e-commerce tracking because it does the demographic stuff as well uh, setting up a new view view creating reports applying filters all of that stuff is in here uh, it's very helpful again uh, if you're a shopify person then this is probably a not to miss um, type of post uh, but if you are just into any type of and you just haven't set up analytics yet then go through this post and it'll help you set up a whole bunch of cool stuff that analytics is doing i have if google breakthrough google analytics breakthrough is a book that i use which kind of turned into our analytic bible uh, but you don't have time if you don't have time to read something like that then this is a really good post to just set up some basic reporting and basic tracking uh, inside your sites all right that's it episode 47 is complete for seo this week uh we'd like to thank the people that submitted stories to us uh we uh always encourage that if you are posting regularly and you posted something within the week and you think it's great then go ahead and share it to us uh we'll add it to the roll up if we like it uh, and if it applies uh, next week we are looking at a i think we're set for another interview gonna actually try to bring on ted kibitis this time and we're gonna talk about his software tool called cora 
which does correlation uh, on a keyword basis. So if I am trying to rank for plumbers in Denver, uh, then plumbers Denver is a keyword. It looks at the top 100 sites, and then based off of the factors that he put in there, it's over 500 now on and off page, uh, integrated with SEM Russian Ahrefs uh, to correlate what the he what the tool is saying is what is resulting in that ranking uh, for those top sites and then you make the changes based off of that and then you help to see if that is what actually caused it uh, it's a really good tool I like it it's probably yeah, I think it's my number one SEO tool right now uh, and I actually was with him at SMS at SMX advanced and we talk I talked them into making Bora which <laughs> that's right it targets Bing and that's really interesting. I'm beta testing that right now, uh, and then he's got another one called Hive Mind that's coming out, and that's you know it's you put in your problem that you're having with your SEO, uh, what you're trying to solve, and then it'll spit out a checklist, a word document, or an article based on whatever you want the settings on, and it'll spit out that information in an easily digestible format. And you can kind of go through and go and, and knock out. I think all three uh, wonderful tools. One's already out. That's Quora, uh, and then the other two are on their way out to the public. Uh, so I think he's probably going to be our interview for uh, next Monday. I want to thank you very much for listening, uh, and I hope you have a great week.